Welcome to episode 185 of the Engineering Career Coach podcast, the first podcast dedicated to helping engineers and technical professionals with both their personal and professional development. I'm your host, Chris Knudsen, and I'm a practicing licensed professional engineer and a certified program and project manager directing a $900 million infrastructure recapitalization program over here in the UK. But I'm also focused on inspiring engineers about using leadership and knowledge to generate success for both themselves and clients. And because of that, continue to share my thoughts through my writings and through this podcast with my co-host, Anthony Fazzano. Now, people had their doubts about this podcast taking off, but since inception, we've had close to 2 million downloads that have been cited by Forbes as one of the top 15 most inspiring podcasts for professionals. And here's a short preview of this episode, in which I'll be speaking with Joshua Plenert. So Lean Six Sigma, it's actually two approaches. Lean is the methodology that works to reduce waste in organizations. So wasted time, wasted resources, wasted effort. It looks to identify those areas of waste and reduce them. And Lean is, there. it's a big set of a lot of different tools that can be applied in different situations. Six Sigma is kind of this is a similar approach. It has a lot of tools and a lot of the tools actually overlap with lean, but the focus with Six Sigma is to reduce variation, or in other words, reduce defects or mistakes in your work process. So lean reduces waste, Six Sigma reduces variations, reduces defects. My co-host Anthony and I both believe that in order to be the best engineer you can be, you have to consistently get better. That means getting better at your craft, your people skills, and as a leader. And that's why we published this free podcast to help you do just that. And in this episode, you're going to be listening in on a conversation between me and Joshua Plenert. Now, he's a licensed professional engineer who's an expert in applying Lean and Six Sigma concepts to the architectural engineering and construction industry. And as a structural engineer practitioner himself, he's not only theorizing about what he talks and writes about, he's putting it into practice. I think you're going to really like him. Now, like I said, he's a professional engineer. And he's currently serving as a regional manager for an AE firm where he's played a major role in the development of two branch offices. Joshua's educational background consists of a BS in civil engineering, MS in structural engineering, and an MBA. And he's worked in various aspects of the AEC industry for more than 14 years. But before we get started, this is a free show and our sponsors help us keep it that way. So please go out and support them. And our sponsor for this episode today is PPI. So are you trying to find the right steps to further your career in the world of engineering? How about needing some perspective on how to prepare properly for your exam? So stay tuned to this podcast because this is the best place to find the right resources to prepare you for your licensure exam. And that includes a 20% discount, which is exclusive to all of you, our listeners. And you can get that by listening to the end of this show. You're not going to want to miss out on that opportunity. So let me bring you into our main segment with a quote that's applicable to today's topic, and that is management is doing things right. Leadership is doing the right things by our friend Peter Drucker. All right, let's get into the show. All right, everyone. Now it's time for our main segment of today's episode, and I'm joined with Josh Planner. Josh, thanks for coming on today's show. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is great. Two fellow civil engineers. Uh, we've got some shared experiences professionally, which is pretty cool. We've had an opportunity to have a little bit of a chat before we jumped into this conversation today. So I'm pretty excited about sharing with all of our guests some of the great things that you've been doing and some of the different uh, thoughts and concepts that you've got about how uh, AEC firm owners can leverage some of that Six Sigma 
leadership and concepts to uh, generate some consistent success. As I already kind of mentioned, you know, you're, you're a civil engineer by degree and in practice. So you're a practicing engineer, which is uh, pretty neat that you had the opportunity to be able to write the book and you're doing some teaching as well. Tell us a little bit about how you ended up deeply involved in the study of continuous process improvement methodologies, because it doesn't seem logical that a civil engineer may find themselves in something that I typically think about industrial engineers doing, but you got involved in that. So I'm kind of curious to hear how you ended up there. When I started working as an engineer, I moved into a management position pretty quickly, and I found myself a little bit lost when I got into management. I just didn't understand how to really improve business processes. I could identify problems, but I didn't know how to fix them. I couldn't understand really what the root of the problem was. And I think that's typical for a lot of engineering firms. When you have you know, good engineers, they get promoted into management positions and they're not necessarily trained or educated to do that. And that's the position that I was in. So I decided to go back to school, get an MBA, and then I furthered my studies focusing on how to improve existing processes in organizations. How to identify root causes of problems. And the more I got into it, the more I just really enjoyed it. And the more I saw really how much value there is in being able to apply these concepts. They're applied, like you said, they're applied to a lot of other industries, especially the manufacturing industry. They're really successful in other industries, but they're not used a lot in our industry. And I think part of the problem is that when you study these concepts, they're not presented in terms that are familiar to engineers. They're presented in terms that are familiar to the manufacturing industry, but not necessarily the AEC industries. So I just started exploring it more and more and really developed a passion for it and got excited about how much it can do for the AEC industry. You know, I've done a a little bit of self-study on Lean and Six Sigma processes. And and you're absolutely right. I mean, most of it is really, quite frankly, all of it that I've ever read on has been uh, really focused on the manufacturing industry, which makes it, you know, you've got to have a little bit of an imagination to be able to stretch it into the AEC industry. And I think for most engineers and even myself, before I had a chance to read your book, really thought a lot about it in the peer management and the manufacturing arena and not necessarily doing the direct application into the AEC industry. I think what most engineers probably have bumped up against on Lean Six Sigma is the fact that there's a lot of tools, there's a lot of lingo that's involved with it. And maybe some engineers don't really understand truly some of the differentials or the differentiations between what Lean Six Sigma is and other things like TPS, which I'm going to let you actually spell out what that acronym is. Actually, I'll do it for you. (laughs) The Toyota Production System. A lot of engineers may not necessarily know what these things are. So could you briefly just tell us about what is Lean Six Sigma? What's the Toyota Production System or TPS? Uh, What's the Shingo you know, way of uh, methodology, way of doing things. What are these? Because I think, you know, some of our listeners may have heard these, but, you know, in the context, maybe just don't entirely understand what they are. So Lean Six Sigma, it's actually two approaches. Lean is the methodology that works to reduce waste in organizations. So wasted time, wasted resources, wasted effort. It looks to identify those areas of waste and reduce them. And Lean is, it's a big set of a lot of different tools that can be applied in different situations. Six Sigma is kind of this 
is a similar approach. It has a lot of tools and a lot of the tools actually overlap with lean. But the focus with Six Sigma is to reduce variation or in other words, reduce defects or mistakes in your work process. So lean reduces waste. Six Sigma reduces variations, reduces defects. When I started studying lean and Six Sigma, and they're usually used together, we refer to them as lean Six Sigma. I found that one of the challenges is if you just start taking these tools and start applying them, they don't work very well. You have to kind of build a framework to apply them or a culture to apply them. And that's one of the interesting things about TPS, the Toyota production system. A lot of these lean tools were actually developed in the late 80s and early 90s at the Toyota production system. But the difference is that the Toyota production system applies them in a people-oriented fashion where they build a, a lean culture and then they use the Lean Six Sigma tools to enhance that culture. So TPS is a lean approach to business, but it's more of a cultural, people-oriented lean approach. Another really good, really useful term to know is Shingo. The Shingo Institute kind of focuses on this cultural approach, not just to lean, but to enterprise excellence overall to being able to apply scientific theories like Lean and Six Sigma, but apply them in a people-oriented, cultural way so that they can produce long-term sustainable improvements. So the Shingo Institute is an organization. They're based out of Utah State University, but they try to help organizations learn how to apply the Shingo model, which incorporates a lot of Lean Six Sigma concepts. So I just took this away as, you know, lean focuses on reducing waste, Six Sigma on reducing variations. So we're really looking at processes. And then Shingo methodology is really focusing on people, this cultural enterprise excellence. So together, we're, you know, we're kind of looking at people and processes, which AEC firms have. They've got people that are working in the firm. And whether we've got standard operating procedures or processes in place, Every AEC firm has got processes that they do internally to their company to be able to develop and produce workflow. I'm kind of curious to you maybe get your feedback on how you see perhaps application of Lean Six Sigma and the Shingo methodology to an AEC firm and what kind of situations or issues the application might be able to solve for a firm leadership. What I've seen is it seems like a lot of engineering firms have fairly common challenges. Some of those are probably things like the feast or famine effect that a lot of firms experience, where sometimes we have way too much work, sometimes we have way too little. Another common problem is we get in this situation of complacency where we have issues that are going on, but we tend to deal with them instead of fixing them. Things like firefighting, where all of a sudden everybody's racing to try and get stuff out the door. It happens all the time. And a lot of these problems are not that difficult to solve. It's just that we've become so used to them that we find it easier just to deal with them than to, I guess, endure them than to find a solution. So using the Shingo methodology, using Lean Six Sigma, it's really helpful to be able to identify some of these common issues and resolve them. I think the exciting thing for me about 
these types of issues is that they are common issues, which should be exciting to any firm owner, because if you're able to resolve common issues, then it gives you an uncommon competitive advantage. You'll be able to operate at a level that other firms just aren't able to keep up with. If I might pull the string on that one just a little bit further, as you already highlighted, a lot of firms experience this feast or famine problem. I'd be kind of curious to hear your thoughts on how the application of these methodologies may be able to help uh, an AEC firm overcome that pretty typical problem that I think a lot of firms have. For example, with the feast or famine, lots of times it's related to behaviors that we're, we have behaviors within the organization that are causing the feast or famine. Maybe we're not prioritizing correctly. Maybe we're not approaching problems correctly and we're making them a little more difficult than they need to be. Sometimes it's common to get in a situation of analysis paralysis where we're so focused on analyzing problems and it becomes difficult to get to the solution of the problem because we're so focused on analysis. And so a lot of these problems are behavior related. And what a lot of organizations overlook is that the behaviors within your organization are driven by the system of your organization. I think far too often we look at the employees and their behaviors and we blame them. We blame these behaviors on the employees when often it's, it's the system of the organization that's pushing it. And if we can identify the root cause of what's causing these bad behaviors, or I guess sometimes they're not bad behaviors, but they're not ideal behaviors. If we can identify what's causing it and change the system so that the system drives good behaviors, then we can overcome a lot of the challenges like the feast or famine. We can help identify bottlenecks in our system. We can help prioritize tasks or projects a little better based on their importance and their urgency. That helps to define that a little bit better. I appreciate that. I mean, it's really an opportunity if you're applying the Lean Six Sigma or even the Shingo methodology of just being able to look at policies, procedures, processes that you've got and focusing on those and how those may be able to be adjusted in order to be able to perhaps even adjust the behaviors of the individuals within the firm. So kind of building off of that, I think, again, as I've already mentioned, you know, the Lean Six Sigma, what I've bumped up against the study that I've done uh, is comprised of a lot of different tools and a lot of engineers may be also aware of what these tools are. So I guess I'd ask the question, you know, maybe describe a couple of relatively well-known tools that are out there that people may bump up against. And then what's more important, understanding how to apply a specific tool or why you would want to apply a particular Lean Six Sigma tool? There are a lot of a lot of really great tools. I think a, one that's really useful for engineering firms specifically is a bottleneck analysis where you can look at the flow of your processes and identify clearly where the bottlenecks are and you can kind of break them down on how much those bottlenecks are affecting your process. And once you identify your bottlenecks clearly, it, it gives you more understanding of how you can help improve and help reduce those bottlenecks. So a bottleneck analysis is probably a good one. Another really good one is the Ishikawa diagram or the fishbone diagram. It's used to look at a specific problem and identify all the different aspects that are adding to the problem. Sometimes we see a problem and we start trying to solve it before we really understand everything that's adding into the problem. So it's a root cause analysis 
it helps identify root causes of the problem. So that's the Ishikawa diagram. Another one that's pretty useful is the A3 is similar to Ishikawa, but it takes the problem and it breaks it down even further. And it helps to determine how the problem can be resolved and what results you would expect to see. So it's a way of organizing your problem-solving approach, which would be, it's very useful in engineering firms. So those are three that I'd probably recommend, bottleneck analysis, the A3, and the Ishikawa diagram. But I think one thing that's important to remember with these tools is there has to be some understanding of why you're using them. You asked, is it more important to know how to use them or why to use them? I think you need to start with why. You need to start with understanding the purpose of these tools. It's a common, common mistake with Lean Six Sigma practitioners that they'll just start throwing tools at a problem before they really understand why they're using those tools. And if you take the time to really build a thorough understanding of why you're using them, it makes them more effective. You can take lean tools and throw them at a problem, and sometimes you'll get temporary, you know, short-lived results, short-lived improvements. But in order to make them sustainable long-term improvements, you really need to take the time to build a culture that will sustain it. So instead of just applying a lean tool, you build a culture of lean improvements, of lean thinking. Same thing goes for things like strategy. Instead of just throwing a strategy at the company, you use an approach that builds a culture of strategic thinking and problem solving. So same goes for lean tools. You need to really focus on why you're using them and create a culture that is ready for the application of the lean tools. That's great, Joshua. I appreciate you spelling out a couple of the tools and the, and then the some of the rationale, the reasoning between which is more important, the uh, application or when you should apply it. Something that I've found useful for me when I was doing some of my self-study for a specific project that I was involved with was uh, I bumped up against the Quality Council of Indiana. Uh, not sure if you've heard of them before or not, but they've got a really good certified Six Sigma Greenbelt Primer. We'll put the link to it in the show notes. Uh, It's a little pricey, but I found the book to be a great reference for the tools, but it also spelled out situations in which you'd apply it. Of course, again, as we've already kind of touched on, it's really predicated on the manufacturing uh, concept. But uh, I think as we unpack a little bit more about some of Josh's experiences and things that he's looked at in the application of Lean Six Sigma into the AEC industry, if you are interested in learning more about what the tools are and where they might be applied and how they might be applied, The uh, reference that I just threw out there from the Quality Council of Indiana, I think is actually a pretty darn good one. I'm sitting here looking at my bookshelf behind me, and it's right there, big green three-ring binder, full of some great knowledge uh, in a a pretty easy-to-read process, and they are not a sponsor. It was a good resource. Have you bumped up against these guys before, Quality Council of Indiana? I haven't, no. Everybody listening to the podcast is going to hear this. I'll send you the link afterwards. I I thought it was a great, great resource. I think another great resource that's out there is I had an opportunity here recently, and it's really how I came across you and your work. And that other resource is your book, Strategic Excellence in the AEC Industries. Honestly, I came up against uh, your work because I was uh, I had a random thought had come through my mind again around applications of uh, you know how you can essentially fix processes to really smooth out variations in different actions and activities within an AEC firm, predominantly within the architectural engineering firm. 
And that's really how I came up against some of your work and your book, The Strategic Excellence in uh, AEC Industries. So in that book, you step through a process for strategic alignment and continuous improvement. And it presents a, a pretty compelling argument that I thought for a company to consider adopting a Lean Six Sigma mentality. So I'd be interested if you could maybe share with us, what does that process look like? In strategic excellence, the process that I use is it revolves around the culture of the organization. It applies Lean Six Sigma and Shingo concepts in a cultural way. So it applies them in a way that it makes your strategy, the strategy of your organization, it makes it more executable. And in fact, it makes the execution almost natural. Lots of times when organizations will start their strategic planning process, they use an approach where they kind of alienate the organization. They use maybe a template off of the internet or they'll use last year's strategic plan and kind of revise it for the new year. And then they'll throw it out there and they'll want it to be executed. And execution can be very, very difficult with strategic plans. So the process in strategic excellence, it builds a culture of strategic thinking rather than just focusing on the strategic plan. So the process really, it builds culture, it builds a strategic alignment, and it, it drives a structure that will support it. But it, a few of the main aspects of the process is focus on the planning process itself. We try to rush to a strategic plan when really a strategic plan is not our goal. Our goal is to achieve strategic results. And so if you go through the planning process with that in mind, with the results in mind, it changes the way you do the process. You start to involve more people in the process. You start to build engagement and ownership of the strategy right from the beginning. And once you have a plan in place, it almost executes itself because everybody's already on board. So the strategic excellent process really focuses on that, on getting people involved, building a culture of strategic thinking and problem solving, and makes it sustainable in the long run. One of the things that a lot of people may bump up against is when they hear the word strategy, they get a little concerned about that because uh, a lot of AE firm CEOs that are out there, uh, senior VPs, VPs, you know, even engineering managers get involved in these strategy offsites and development of strategy. And the, you know, the age old question is how do you bridge that gap between strategy and execution? And it's, as you laid out this concept of strategic excellence. And I like what you just threw out here, which was, you know, the goal of strategy isn't so much the plan as it is the results, which is a great way of packaging it. Honestly, I've never heard it packaged that way before presents for me a great visual in the fact that we don't want to get lost in the wonkery of developing the overall strategy. At the end of the day, we got to have something that we can actually execute. And although there's some benefit to be said to developing the plan and going through that planning process, if at the end of the day, if you can't execute it, it's not a very good, not a very good strategy. Just to kind of, if I could maybe ask you to help us understand just a bit better your definition of strategic excellence what does that look like a little bit more in detail? I know you, you talked about behaviors and culture. Maybe if you could take us into an architectural engineering firm that has applied strategic excellence, what are, our, let's say, two of the more important things that that particular firm is doing on a day-to-day basis that would define it as having achieved strategic excellence? When I think of a firm that has a, achieved strategic excellence, I would look for a couple of things. Number one, I would want to see engagement and alignment. Engagement, I mean, I want everybody to understand 
the strategy and have a sense of ownership of it. It's not just something that is sitting on the shelf that they're supposed to be doing when they get a chance. It's something that they feel like they own it. It's not just the company's strategy, it's their strategy. So there needs to be some engagement in order to achieve that level of strategic excellence. And there's got to be alignment too. Alignment means that everybody in the organization understands how the the company's strategy applies to them. Meaning that every day when they go to work, they understand how their tasks, their daily tasks are supporting the strategy of the organization. So there has to be a line of sight from their daily tasks all the way up to the high-end vision of the company. And lots of times when you focus on that, you realize that some of the daily tasks that we're doing, maybe we shouldn't be doing them, or maybe we should be doing them differently. Because if they're not supporting the strategy of the organization, then they're going to deviate from the strategy of the organization. So when you start trying to create that alignment, create that line of sight from daily tasks to the high-end vision, it kind of changes the way you operate as well. So those are two big things I would look for is engagement or ownership of the strategy and alignment throughout the organization with the strategy. So a clear line of sight from everyone's daily tasks up to the high-end vision of the organization. That helps to explain that a little bit better, you know, in the, in the fact that we've got to have everyone actively engaged and understanding how their role, their responsibilities, the things that they do on a day-to-day basis are going to be aligned to and achieving the strategy, which kind of plays into the next question I've got with for you, which has to do with regards to key performance indicators, because in my mind, KPIs are measures of a organization's ability to achieve success or the deviation that it has from being able to achieve that success. And I know this is another business element in the AEC industry, KPIs. It's something that I've professionally wrestled with, quite frankly, throughout my entire career. Because I've seen KPIs applied, really, quite frankly, at random. And I've seen other ones where there's been a lot of, uh, that we've already mentioned, analysis by paralysis, where I've seen KPIs applied in that kind of a format as well. So since Lean Six Sigma oftentimes, and and really strategy oftentimes, comes along, comes hand in hand with uh, key performance indicators or KPIs, Josh, if you could maybe give us some advice on the right way to identify and develop and apply KPIs and maybe what some useful AEC industry-specific KPIs might be. KPIs, it's a really important topic. Metrics in general is an important topic. Like you mentioned, it can be a painful topic, though. I think a lot of people have had really bad experiences with business metrics, with KPIs, and so they get really concerned when an organization starts to look at their KPIs because, quite frankly, KPIs can be very, very helpful, but they can also do damage. Anytime that you measure something, you're going to influence behaviors. Everybody in the organization is going to see you measuring it, and they're going to think that that is what is most important. And so lots of times we measure things sometimes just to fill out a report, a quarterly report. And sometimes those KPIs don't go any further than that report. So if all we're doing is measuring it to fill out a report, then that will most likely be actually causing harm to the organization because people are going to be focusing on that when it may not be something that that is aligned with the company's strategy. So I think the first aspect of metrics is focus on the purpose of the metrics or the KPIs. The purpose of them is to drive performance and to influence behaviors. And that's it. It's not to fill out reports. 
It's not so that we have something to talk about in our meetings. It's not just in case we need it someday. It's to drive performance and influence behaviors. And if you focus on that purpose, I think a lot of organizations will find that a lot of the KPIs they're currently using, they probably shouldn't be using them. They should probably change them. Another common mistake is if there's something that you want to influence an organization, you have to measure it. You will always influence what you measure. And at the same time, you're not going to influence what you're not measuring. So focus on really what you're trying to do with your strategy and measure what it is that you're trying to influence. If you're not trying to influence it, don't measure it because you'll point people in the wrong direction. So as far as good, good KPIs, they need to be focused on purpose. They need to be aligned with the strategy and they need to, a good way to think of it is do no harm. Meaning that oftentimes our KPIs are so complicated that they're difficult to understand, or maybe they take a huge amount of extra work to collect the data. So they should be simple to the point. And also they should be customized to your organization. I think a a common approach to KPIs is to just pick a few KPIs and start applying them. Or sometimes we may have some sort of accounting software or some sort of timesheet software that has KPIs available. So we'll just use those. But every KPI that you use should be customized to your organization and it should have a specific purpose that it's trying to influence. It should have something that it's trying to do, some result it's trying to achieve. Within the engineering industry, there are a lot of good KPIs. It's good to have a few KPIs that are focused on clients, on client relationships, client satisfaction. Usually those are in the form of some sort of survey, client satisfaction survey. Another one that's good to use is a net promoter score, which focuses on how likely your clients are to recommend your business to somebody else. Lots of times that's the quickest way to get a good read on how you're doing is just to ask them, how likely are you to recommend us? So those are probably two good KPIs for clients, is client satisfaction and net promoter score. You need to have some that are focused on your employees. So you could have an employee satisfaction KPI. Turnover rate is always a good KPI to let you know how your employees are doing, if they're happy, if they feel uh, engaged and valued. Another one that I think is, is sometimes missed is some sort of front-end KPI. What I mean by that is that lots of times we focus on our workload for the next month or for the next quarter, and we forget to look at The front end of that, which would be something like, how many proposals are we writing this month? If you look at something toward the front, like, you know, what's the dollar amount of proposals that we're writing every month? Are we keeping it consistent? Are we consistently writing proposals? A KPI like that will help reduce the feast or famine effect. It'll help create a consistent level of work because you're doing a consistent level of sales at the beginning of the process. So Sometimes that can be helpful too, and it's sometimes something that organizations miss is they focus on measuring the workload now or in the future, but we need to measure also what's at the front end of that, what's driving that, which would be proposal writing or marketing. Yeah, that's a great way of packaging that. One of the phrases that I think everybody's heard at some point or another is, you know, what gets measured gets done. And that's a great one. I actually have not heard that one before, you know, the, using the KPI, like the value of proposals every month, because you're right. It's usually metrics on the back end of the process or somewhere further down the line of the process. That's a very important one. It's actually a very interesting one. 
a KPI to be to consider. And so for AE firm owners that are out there, senior VPs or other engineering managers that are in a role or in a position of being able to influence how measurements are done, that may be one that you may want to consider if, you're, if your firm is not already looking at that, is measuring what the input on the front end of the, of the pipeline looks like, what's the actions that are involved there, and then maybe even looking at the success rate that comes off of the proposal that you actually wrote. Because there you can begin to look at what the process is that you use within your firm to generate those proposals and uh, then maybe perhaps even step into some of the uh, six Lean Six Sigma applications of determining whether or not your process is properly leaned out and, uh, and structured to be able to make you more efficient in the way that you generate those proposals. So, Josh, that's a great, really great input. I've got a couple of resources I'll share with all of you that are listening on KPIs. This has been, again, as I've mentioned, something that I've wrestled with throughout my career and trying to find the right way to be able to, again, you know, what gets measured gets managed. It gets done. And uh, how do you measure the right things to be able to energize your team and not overburden them with unneeded metrics, but yet metrics that you as a manager, an engineering manager, need to have at your fingertips in order to be able to make a decision and to be able to understand how the business is being executed and being performed. So a couple of resources, I'll share those. They'll be in the, uh, the show notes uh, for today's episode, and you can go check those things out. Josh has uh, offered to stick around uh, with us as we go into the latter portion of today's show, and uh, he's going to be with us when we get into the Take Action Today segment, and uh, we'll be right back, so don't go away. Now it's time for our Take Action Today segment of the show, but before we dive into that, I want to take a moment and recognize our sponsor for this episode, PPI. Engineering career advancement starts with licensure exams, and the right place to gather exam info, all practice materials, and multiple review options come from ppi2pass.com. Now, PPI has helped over 4 million engineers pass their licensure exam and become leaders in their fields. And best of all, they have practice bundles, online subscriptions, and practice exams that prepare you to pass the first time. Visit ppi2pass.com to learn how you can start preparing for your exam right away and take you one step closer to your next career advancement. That's PPI, the number two, P-A-S-S.com. I also have a 20% off promo code that's available to all of you, our listeners of this podcast. Just use promo code T-E-C-C-8 on PPI's website for an exclusive 20% discount. Again, that's promo code T-E-C-C-8. All right, Josh. So a couple of questions here to wrap things out for today's uh, episode. And uh, the first one is, uh, you know, if you had one reason to share with the engineering community on how owners can leverage Lean Six Sigma concepts in the leadership to generate consistent success, what would that be? The biggest thing I could talk about when it comes to Lean Six Sigma or improvement would be make it cultural, make it a cultural approach. Whenever you make it a cultural approach, it will make it a long-term sustainable improvement instead of just a quick fix to symptoms. It'll really make it something that sticks around with your organization for long-term. So I think the, the main thing I would share is use a process of application of these improvements that is deeply rooted in the culture of the organization. Last question for you. It's actually, it's a two-part one. So the first one is how can people connect with you if they want to learn more about the stuff, the great things that you're doing, and then where can they go and get their hands on a copy of your book, Strategic Excellence in the AEC Industries? A great place to find me is on LinkedIn. I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. If you just search for Joshua Plenner, I should come right up. I can share my email address too. It's joshua.plenert 
at gmail.com. Either one of those work. Yeah, LinkedIn's probably the best one. Um, if you follow me on LinkedIn, I post quite a bit on there. And as far as the book goes, it's available on Amazon. Or if you go to my LinkedIn profile, there's actually an article that I have on LinkedIn that that uh, describes the book in detail and gives some more information about it. And there's a link on there as well that goes to Amazon where you can get a copy of it if you're interested. Hey, I hope you enjoyed this episode today. We'd love to hear your feedback, comments, or questions. So go over to www.engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. That's where you're going to find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during this episode. And don't forget to check out our upcoming live webinar for the month. And again, that's at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. The strategies that you heard in this episode will be of no use to you unless you take action and start to implement them in your career immediately. To help you do that, we have designed a system that you can use at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. It combines live monthly webinars with PDHs plus a private forum giving you access to coaches and premium content focused on helping you build your management and leadership skills. Join us for our next live webinar at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org and we'll help you engineer your own success.